Hello everyone, this is the Great Lakes Weather Podcast once again. I am Ben Richmond, the founder and current manager of Great Lakes Weather. This is our second episode and we will be providing much more information and weather content for you today. I am going to be giving the forecast to kick off the podcast for the upcoming couple of weeks to get an idea of how things are going to transpire across the Great Lakes region. All right, so what we have had with the recent weather activity across the Great Lakes region. Recently today, we just had a cold front pass through the area as of October 6th. It passed through the area early in the afternoon, brought some rain showers and some windy conditions. I was out on the soccer field as it hit and it was it was quite windy and quite chilly and my umbrella was blowing around so it was kind of a windy day. That cold front's moving through and has passed through the area and will be completely out of the area by Friday afternoon with sunshine returning. But there are going to be some changes in the weather over the next several weeks. As a matter of fact, there may be some lake effect rain showers over the next few days across parts of the Great Lakes region. Friday evening is going to be a very cold evening so friday expecting lake effect rain showers across much of the area especially in places along the lake shore such as allegan van buren berrien counties and parts of northern indiana as well will likely see some lake effect rain showers but much of the lake effect rain activity will stay out over the lake as of what is shown in the latest models and there does actually show according to one model the potential for some wintry precipitation across parts of the Upper Peninsula. So that is going to be quite a change up there and seeing some of that wintry mix, the early signs of winter coming through that general vicinity. Overnight Friday night we are expecting potential freezing temperatures according to one model, the GFS model in particular, as we go off to Friday night. There are some places that are forecasted to reach down to freezing, particularly in eastern Michigan. It looks like temperatures could drop down to 32 degrees. If you are in Wisconsin, temperatures could drop down into the 20s. So it is going to be rather chilly, even as far south as Ohio and Indiana as well. You could see temperatures in the low to mid 30s with areas around the cities rising up to around the 40s. So it's not going to be as cold if you live in the city or if you are on the southeastern side of the lake where lake water temperatures are warmer you will have low temperatures in the mid 40s so freezing temperatures don't look to be a good possibility for you but inland areas are very likely to see some frost maybe even some freezing temperatures that could end the growing season for some areas all right moving forward into saturday temperatures remain still rather chilly over the overnight or over the next couple of days, Saturday into Sunday. Then we start to see another warm-up move into the area, especially if you live in parts of Indiana and Ohio. Temperatures will be in the 70s at that current time, so it'll be rather comfortable, and there might even be some chances that you take a shot at some upper 80s, according to some models, even into Tuesday of next week. So maybe a sudden jump in air masses could occur. If we compare that to a model that is showing here, we can see that a couple of models are consistently showing that rise in temperatures, except 
The Euro model does not align and rather projects temperatures in the mid-70s, which I think would be a more fair assessment. GFS model is going a little bit extreme, saying we could have temperatures in the mid-upper 80s in some areas on Tuesday, October 11th. So that is something that we don't really um, see this time of year and I don't think is going to be very likely. But both models are currently projecting the potential for a cold front to move through Thursday. October 13th across the Great Lakes region, which will lead to an even more significant drop in temperatures than was originally, than what is originally taking place today. So, GFS model is even showing some extremes with regards to potential lake effect snowfall as far south as Lower Michigan, and typically we see first snowflakes later in late October. So it will be right on par with the expectations that we have for the Great Lakes region. Um, Indiana and Ohio probably won't see that until later on in the season, but some models do show that possible snowfall as late as October 13th and even into October 18th you see a real sharp drop in temperatures that it appears Tuesday October 18th with temperatures dropping as low as in the 30s and the potential for some lake effect snow, particularly in parts of Michigan and Indiana. Now, this is something we're going to have to watch for. If I look at some soundings, it does show the potential for even some freezing drizzle. So we could, it looks like winter is going to be coming early, as is projected by many different um, forecasting groups. The National Weather, the Climate Prediction Center has projected that it will be a warmer than average October, which as a matter of fact, these past couple of days have been warmer than average, but I do see in later October cooler temperatures coming with the possibility of lake effect snow. Now again, these models are going out into the long range, which means we could potentially see something well, we may not potentially see the snow in the magnitude that the model is putting out or may not even see snow at all, but later in the season of the October season, there is a chance that we could see a few snowflakes. So that's going to be something we want to watch out for. Also, one thing to be paying attention to, prior to this event occurring on the 18th, Thursday, October 13th is a day that I will be paying attention to. I will not be able to probably chase this event because I will be in North Carolina, but it may make its way down to North Carolina on my road back through the area. But it, the Euro model is showing the potential for some showers and thunderstorms that could pack some severe potential across parts of eastern Michigan, northern Indiana, and northwestern Ohio. I can see some soundings that do indicate some low-level wind shear that would be favorable for some severe thunderstorms development but I again we're gonna have to wait to see how the models project this because it could be overplaying this event especially with this late in the season you don't really you can see events like this but they're not as terribly likely so that's another thing to be paying attention to and also the model that I'm looking at for the Euro model if you go out as far long range as you can kind of follows along with the GFS model for October 16th, 17th, and 18th with a very deep cold front moving through a strong cold front that will bring a much cooler air mass and the potential for some of the first snowflakes of the season. So we're going to be watching carefully all of these different things that could be taking place across parts of the Great Lakes region. 
but right now there is a gale warning in effect for parts of Michigan, Lake Michigan, and even areas along Lake Erie and northeast and the southwestern portion of Lake Huron, you could see some waves of up to eight feet in some spots, and you do not want to be out in the water during these particular during this particular event. So, if I were to do a summary of the forecast for the general area of southwestern Michigan. I'm going to say Friday, it's going to be partly cloudy, high of 53, low of 35. Saturday, partly cloudy, high of 56, low of 40. Sunday, partly cloudy, temperatures will be going up into the mid-60s. And then Monday, it'll be also be in the mid-60s with temperatures dropping around 39 degrees. And then Tuesday and Wednesday, following along with what the models are saying, temperatures could rise up again into the 70s for the southwestern Michigan vicinity and with a few chances of rain showers Wednesday October 12th with a low that night of 47 temperatures drop back down again Thursday October 13th with highs in the upper 50s and lows in the mid 30s and then Friday we also see more partly cloudy skies with highs in the mid 50s, lows in the mid 30s. Saturday shows the potential for maybe a little bit more of a warming trend once again with highs in the low 60s, lows in the mid 40s. And then later on as we get into Sunday the 16th, it does show that we may see start to see a drop in temperatures later on on Sunday and we will have to just be watching for that weather change as it comes in. Windy days this week include Saturday, October 8th, Wednesday, October 12th, Thursday, October 13th, Friday, October 14th, Saturday, October 15th, and Sunday, October 16th. Typical for fall, we see a lot of these windy days throughout much of that area. You are, we now have a weather station available that you can access information from. It is the it is the Athen 10 one brought to you by Weather Underground. Well, help. Well, the data is getting out there through Weather Underground, so you can access that weather station that is connected to the general area surrounding Athens, Michigan. And that is where our station is. You can access all the current conditions there. If you would like more information on how to get connected with Great Lakes Weather or to get information about our uh, the weather stations we have available, or to leave feedback about this podcast, you can visit the website that is attached in the description of this podcast, captanchemistry.wixsite.com slash greatlakesweather. You can get all the data there. I'm going to turn it over now to my meteorology students who are going to provide some interesting information regarding the Great Lakes region and the weather across the United States. Hello everyone, today we're going to be doing a topic on weather news. Uh, now we are going to be covering Hurricane Ian, so uh, without further ado, let's get into it. Uh, Hurricane Ian uh, formed as a tropical storm, and that was in the Central Caribbean on September 23rd, and then strengthened into a hurricane on the 26th with max winds of 105. Uh, as it uh, transitioned, I uh, had that rapid intensification issued by the NHC or the National Hurricane Center. Uh, 
It headed northwestward and quickly intensified over the, wa the warm waters and emerged into the southern Gulf of Mexico as a Cat 3 hurricane, with max winds of 115. Now, uh, it made landfall on the 27th in Cuba, uh, giving Cuba high winds and knocking out all the island's power by taking out the grid. Uh, after that, it headed towards Florida's west coast, but on the morning of September 28th, it intensified to a Category 4 over the Gulf of Mexico with max winds of 155, just short of a Cat 5. Uh, it made landfall in Cayo Costa, Florida at 3.05 Eastern Standard Time with max winds of 150. And it thrashed parts of the western coast of Florida, bringing intense winds, heavy rainfall, and catastrophic storm surges. Uh, Fort Myers, Florida was hit with a 7.26-foot uh, surge, and then it was downgraded to a tropical storm on September 29th as it tracked inland, crossing over the Florida Peninsula. Peninsula. Uh, as it did that, extreme rainfall became destructive, uh, producing a lot of flooding in the areas. Now, as it crossed over Florida, it strengthened back into a Category 1 as it went over the open water before turning and making another landfall in South Carolina just after 2 p.m. that day. Now, as we know, uh, for now, uh, the death toll is over 117 people and it took out some power to Florida leaving people without homes and that is going to be it category 5 hurricanes within the US are quite rare so far only four category 5 hurricanes have made landfall on the continental US hurricane Ian the hurricane that hit Florida this past week was on the upper end of a category four, meaning it just barely misses this list. Before we discuss these four category five hurricanes, we must understand the ranking system that classifies a hurricane. According to the Saffir-Simpson scale, a category one hurricane is contained between wind speeds of 74 to 95 miles per hour. This is the lowest level of hurricane. A category two hurricane is measured between wind speeds of 96 to 110 miles per hour. A Category 3 is measured between 111 and 130 miles per hour. Major hurricanes are considered anything Category 3 and above. This is where serious damages begin to occur. Category 4 hurricanes are held between wind speeds of 131 and 155 miles per hour. Hurricane Ian was on the high end of Category 4. A Category 5 hurricane has wind speeds of 155 or more. Fallen trees are expected here along with fallen roofs and power poles. For a hurricane to be classified as one of these, it must maintain its wind speed for at least a full minute. The four hurricanes that reached Category 5 within the continental U.S. begin with the Labor Day hurricane of 1935. It is still considered to be the strongest hurricane to make landfall within the U.S. This hurricane maintained wind speeds of 185 miles per hour, but occasionally had wind gusts of over 200 miles per hour. The Labor Day hurricane hit the Florida Keys on September 2nd, 
killing a total of 409 people. This remains the strongest hurricane that hit the U.S. The second strongest hurricane to make landfall in the U.S. is Hurricane Camille. This hurricane reached the Mississippi as a Category 5 on August 17, 1969. Camille had sustained winds of more than 170 miles per hour, marking it the second strongest hurricane within the U.S. Camille killed over 250 people, mainly from flooding. Impacts of this hurricane were felt across the southeast U.S., causing both co crop and community damage. The next, the next Category 5 hurricane to be inflicted upon the U.S. was Hurricane Andrew. Hurricane Andrew reached Florida on August 24, 1992. This hurricane had sustained wind speeds of 165 miles per hour and only brought about 23 deaths. Even though this hurricane had a relatively low death count, Andrew caused billions of dollars in damages, making it, at the time, the most costly natural disaster within the U.S. The last Category 5 hurricane within the U.S. was Hurricane Michael. This hurricane also hit Florida. On October 8, 2018, this storm made landfall with wind speeds of 160 miles per hour. She directly caused eight deaths, but 43 other deaths can be indirectly attributed to this hurricane. Hurricane Katrina is also a noteworthy hurricane. She made landfall as a Category 3 hurricane, but prior to reaching, the U.S. was a Category 5. Hurricane Katrina now holds the record for the most costly and deadly hurricane to sweep the nation. These are the four Category 5 hurricanes to breach the U.S. Welcome back to Episode 2 of Mr. Richmond's Podcast. Today we're going to kind of be giving an update on different hurricanes, particularly Hurricane Ian. Um, that was the Category 4 Atlantic hurricane that spread damage across western Cuba and southern east United States, hitting Florida and South Carolina, then making its way into the northeast United States. It's also starting to dissipate into the northern Atlantic Ocean region, so we don't really have to worry about it too much right now because it's starting to pass. But we kind of want to inform you guys that there seems to be a forming of tropical storms near the Gulf of Mexico and the Caribbean, and there's like three other places where there could be hurricane threats. So just kind of being prepared and getting you in the know about upcoming storms. The Weather Channel states there are four areas of tropical development possible. The Atlantic hurricane season is awakening and now multiple areas are being attracted for possible uh, formation into the next tropical depressions or storms. The system is produced cluster, uh, it's producing these clusters of showers and thunderstorms associated with a broad area of low pressure about halfway between Africa and the Lesser Antilles right now. Um, it's been dubbed Invest 91L by the National Hurricane Center, which is a naming convention used to identify disturbances that could form a tropical depression or storm. The Northwest Caribbean is also being watched for potential formation of an elongated area of low pressure by midweek. For now, a few computer forecast models are suggesting strong development from this system. It's worth monitoring given the typical supply of deep warm water in its path. So there are signs of uh, tropical or, you know, severe storms. So um, there's a small low pressure system swirling to the east of the Bermuda Strong shear and layer of dry air are expected to limit development this week uh, as the system continues to move over the Atlantic Ocean. For now, there's nothing to be really overly concerned with about these um, systems, but again, it's good to stay informed and kind of keep a watch on different severe weather so you can be prepared. 
If you go to the Weather Channel website, they do offer you a link, so feel free to click that and get some more information on just the watching of these possible storms and hurricanes that could be developing. Um, but that's pretty much it for today's um, episode. You know, stay updated. <laughs> this is Kara Hawkins. Weather concepts particularly hurricanes. Uh, hurricanes are powerhouse weather events that suck heat from tropical waters to fuel their fury. These violent storms form over the sea, often beginning as a tropical wave, a low-pressure area that moves through the moisture-rich tropics, possibly enhancing shower and thunderstorm activity. As this weather system moves westward across the tropics, warm ocean air rises into the storm, forming an area of low pressure underneath. This causes more air to rush, uh, and the air then rises and cools, forming clouds and thunderstorms. Up in the clouds, water condenses and forms droplets, releasing even more heat to power the storm. The hurricane speeds within such a storm reach 74 miles per hour is classified as a hurricane. The terms hurricane and tropical cyclone refer to the same kind of storm, a rotating organized system of clouds and thunderstorms out originates over tropical or subtropical waters and does close low-level circulation, but they're not the same. During just one hurricane, raging winds can churn about half as much energy half as much energy as the electrical generating capacity of the entire world. While cloud and rain formation form the same from the same storm might release a staggering four hundred times the amount. Information was taken from NOAA for this section. A good example of a hurricane is the most recent one, which is Hurricane Ian, that hit Florida. It was two miles an hour under being for uh, Category 5, which is the third strongest hurricane to ever make landfall in America, which is quite impressive. The hurricane has uh, dissipated, and at the time, the floodwaters are still receding. Recovery efforts continue even as residents return to their homes, even though they're flooded, to try and take what they can and get back to normal life and continue rebuilding. Um, so how does this relate to Michigan? A mesolo scale, a low-pressure center, severe weather potential often increases in the area near and just ahead of a mesolo. Mesolo should not be confused with mesocyclone, which is storm scale, which is just a smaller hurricane, it just happens over the lakes. The Mesolo, which is a much smaller storm. Mesolo is most likely what we will see for the long time in Michigan, although Michigan has seen one hurricane over Lake Huron. Hurricanes can be terribly violent storms, and things that lead to form them are counterclockwise things, counterclockwise winds, and other things like that. But they are very interesting and very. Jeffrey, and this session is dedicated to some of the many Great Lakes Region facts. Starting off, the Great Lakes Region is the largest freshwater lake system in the world, holding 20% of all the freshwater. Lake Superior is the largest of the Great Lakes and holds half of the water in the system, totaling an estimated 3 quadrillion gallons. This is enough to cover both Americas and an estimated 13.7 million square miles or 35.6 million square kilometers of land in one foot of water. Lake Superior is called a lake, but technically falls under the category of an inland sea. 
Lake Michigan is the second largest of the Great Lakes and has the Sleeping Bear Dunes, which are the largest freshwater sand dunes in the world. While there are many large cities on the Great Lakes coast, Lake Michigan is home to Chicago, Illinois, which is the largest financial center in the Great Lakes, having exported roughly $64 billion by the end of 2021. Lake Michigan and Lake Huron are directly connected through the Strait of Mackinac, meaning that although they are defined as two different lakes, they are geographically the same body of water. Lake Huron is the only lake to have produced a hurricane of sorts, starting on September 11th in 1996 and lasting four days. The hurricane spanned from Ontario, Canada to Pennsylvania and had wind speeds similar to that of a Category 1 hurricane and characteristics of a tropical cyclone, even going so far as to have its own makeshift storm eye. Lake Erie is the smallest of the Great Lakes by water volume, but has a larger surface area than that of Ontario. Lake Erie has the remnants of a tropical storm reef in it and contains an estimated 2,000 shipwrecks, with only 375 having been discovered. Lake Erie also has the largest sandstone quarry in the world, located in South Amherst, Ohio. It is home to Bessie, an equivalent to the Loch Ness Monster of Scotland, who was first sighted in 1783, with sightings steadily rising as of recent years. This concludes our, time, our Great Lakes region facts for the day. I hope to see you all next time, where we will talk about national parks famous baseball players in a war between Michigan and Ohio. Hello, what's up everybody? Uh, we're gonna be we are going to be talking about the only beginning tour with Big Daddy Weave. Uh, it's going to be over 20, touring 20 different places. Um, uh, this one's particularly going to be happening in Archbold Evangelical Church in Archbold, Ohio. Um, talk about the ticket prices. It's actually not too bad. The premium, about the premium to meet them, and to ask questions to them, and you know, first serve seating. Um, uh, that starts at around seventy five dollars. Um, early entry, just get in early, and be able to be get, be one of the first people in there. Um, we it's around thirty five bucks. Um, not too bad. Again, I just general admission is just. 25 bucks um if you have a group of four or more people you'll discount to 15 per person which is an awesome deal for a concert like this um premium doors open around five o'clock um the premium conversation with these artists and having a conversation and asking questions uh that starts around 5 15 so be there early around 5 4 45 something like that just to be there early uh, early entry is doors open around five forty-five. Just general doors. Everybody comes in there around six p.m. Somewhere around that. A concert begins seven p.m. I would imagine they would have some kind of pre-show happening before that. A little, uh, just somebody new come trying to come into the industry too. Probably will try to do something between that time before the concert actually begins. Um, again, please follow the local COVID guidelines at, at the time of this event. Uh, attendees over age two will be required to have their own ticket. Um, again, please, if you by purchasing a ticket, you're agreeing to follow any COVID-19 safety guidelines that are required at this venue or in this local community. Please, please, please do not go against it. Um, if you have any kind of exposure to COVID-19, please also don't go. 
because we don't miss Brilliance. Um, again, this, overall, this concert is going to be a lot of fun. This tour is going to be, f- I mean, I know some people who are going to be going to every one. Um, they're going to be hitting t- up 20 cities. Uh, Big Daddy Weave's doing this tour with big names such as Austin French and Hannah Kerr. Hannah Kerr's been one that's been a very new one and it's been having some big hits recently. Um, Big Daddy Weave, if, in case you don't know this, they have a bunch of big hit songs such as The Lion and the Lamb, A Story I Know, new songs like God is in the Story with Hannah, with um, some other people too. I mean, it's just, they have so many good songs, and if you're more of a hymn person, I I believe that they've written like a hymn um, album. So that would, I mean, if that is where you like your music, that he's a good Big Daddy Weave is just a great, just a great band. Awesome French. He began his journey at um, as a full time worship pastor. They made it. They made a big debut. Uh, on TV, the ABC TV show Rising Star, and Austin has many had singles such as Freedom Hymn, Born Again, and Wine God, and, and just a great guy, just, I mean, has some great songs and just everything. Hannah Kerr, she's been more of a uh, newer one, but she's been doing very, very good. Had a top 20 radio hit, Split to See. Uh, and it has had over 50 million uh, people view total streams, and then um, has had it has co written some song some songs like with Matt Myers, top five hit Your Love Defends Me, and many other ones. And she has uh, also been on stage with many other Christian artists, including Casting Crowns, um, Giant Diaz, uh, for King Country. These boys, I mean, these people are big hits. Again, I really recommend this uh, concert. Um, it's, I mean, these are good guys. They, the, isn't like that. They've been like involved in any kind of scandals or anything, like, anything like that. These guys are solid people, and I mean, it'd be awesome for y'all to make it out there, and just, I mean, just a good. Again, I won't repeat the information again. Just it starts around seven p.m. Please be there around six o'clock if you're just a general admission. Again, if you have if you bring more than four people as a group, you can get a discount of fifteen per person. That is a deal I would take. Uh, again, thank you for listening, and catch and catch y'all later. Hello, everyone. This is Ben Richmond here, thanking you for listening to another episode of the Great Lakes Weather Podcast. If you would like to leave feedback on this podcast, you are more than welcome to do so by visiting our website at captainchemistry.wixsite.com slash greatlakesweather. The website is linked in the description of the podcast below, and there's a podcast tab that will enable you to see all of our episodes and also to leave feedback on the podcast itself. The Great Lakes Weather website also has access to all of our social media platforms and all information regarding the origins of Great Lakes Weather and the accomplishments over the past few years. So stay tuned for later episodes of the Great Lakes Weather podcast by subscribing and make sure to check out our YouTube channel where all of the storm chasing content and forecast discussion content exists. All right. We will see you next time 
on the Great Lakes Weather Podcast. Thanks for listening.